Our second scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, from the second chapter, verses 13 to 23. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Rima, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in a place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so, what, so that what he had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Please pray with me. Open our hearts, O God, to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you today and always. Amen. Well, goodness, there's an overwhelming desire just to take a deep breath and sigh today, isn't there? I know that in the Christian church calendar, it's still Christmas, and that is until we celebrate Epiphany, but nonetheless, the secular side of Christmas is over, and it's often physically exhausting. On this day, just four days after Christmas, then, we've come to church, well, some have come to church, (laughs) A, a little worn out, or maybe a lot worn out, and yet still basking from all the incredible events that have played out in our lives. Pastor John gave us an outstanding Advent sermon series to prepare us for Christmas. And then we were blessed on Christmas Eve once again to hear the story of the birth of Jesus, a story that never gets old. We've enjoyed wonderful worship, beautiful music, great food, and the company of those we love. It would not be surprising, then, that it might be a little disconcerting to hear the gospel reading this morning that speaks in part of Herod killing all the children around Bethlehem not long after the birth of Jesus. I must admit, when I saw the gospel reading for this Sunday, it did make me question why I don't select another scripture. John always leaves it up to me. No one would have known. It's part of the story, though. So let's take a little closer look. First, remember 
that the Jews were the audience for the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's goal was to make it clear to his audience that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophets, the heir of Israel. And remember the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, the genealogy that traces Jesus back to Abraham? You see, the intent of the first two chapters of Matthew is to create an analogy between Jesus and Moses and the ancient prophets. So in the few verses of this heartbreaking story that I read this morning, Matthew reminds his listeners of the most powerful people and places in their shared memory. King Herod's paranoia and brute power remind us of Pharaoh. Joseph's attention to God's leading through dreams sounds like his ancestor Joseph long ago. The flight of Jesus and his family into Egypt looking for safety from a threat sounds like the sojourn of the people of Israel in need of food and famine. Jesus, like Moses, is saved as a baby from the brutal tyrant. Bethlehem is the city of David, the great king. And Rachel weeps in Rima over her lost children, like the lost children of the massacre. And so Matthew's listeners would have heard all these similarities to their story and the story of Jesus' birth. But there's also contrast, though, between Matthew's account and the ancient story. Think of the differences between Herod and Joseph. Herod's ruthless violence in the face of a threat is exactly the opposite of Joseph's when he responds to danger. And the contrast between the power of Herod exhibited in the killing of the innocent babies and the power of God not to be deterred from the plan of salvation is dramatic. You see, a tiny baby makes a powerful king look weak in his insecurity and his paranoia. Herod's reaction to the birth of this tiny baby is horrific and violent. But the, the message is not that God summons evil to accomplish divine purposes. The message is that tragic human destruction is woven into the fabric of history. But that not even evil in its most catastrophic form, evil as cold and merciless as the murder of innocent children, can, can destroy God's ability to save. The middle third of verse 16, just one piece of a verse, recounts matter-of-factly a deed so evil that we can't bear to hear more detail. Instead, we hear only the voice of Mother Rachel crying for her children as Matthew evokes her voice in mourning over these children. But the truth is that the shepherds and the wise men, outsiders, all of them, weren't the only ones to get who this baby Jesus was. Herod got it. Herod at the center of power also understood the threat and the power of this child, the political implications of who Jesus was. The good news that we hear on Christmas of God entering reality 
through the birth of Jesus is not good news for Herod on his shaky throne. Because the truth is, if Jesus is Lord, then Herod is not. The struggle between Herod and Christ is waged outwardly in the world and inwardly in every person. Who shall rule? And you know, perhaps it's easier to welcome a sweet little baby if we don't have to think about what the baby is taking on. Perhaps it's not a pretty image for the Christmas season, but then the incarnation wasn't about pretty. It was about God entering our own lived reality, including the pain and suffering. The real tragedy of this story is that it is not an isolated one, is it? The history of humankind is riddled with stories like this one, even to this day. What did we read about this morning? Five killed in a Jewish home in New York by an intruder that they welcomed in. Every day in places all around the world, people experience pain and loss and suffering. (laughs) I don't have an explanation for the killings we see in Matthew any more than the suffering we see in the world every day. It's a cruel, broken, and wounded world. And such things happen all the time. So now what? We go on, don't we? Miraculously, we go on. We begin again, just like we've been doing for thousands of years, with God present in the midst of our pain and suffering. That's why we can hear the reading that Bob read this morning of Isaiah. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because all of the Lord, all that the Lord has done for us. Because we can hear that and realize that all the people of the world continue to endure. And in the midst of enduring, we rejoice. So now what? We begin again. If we look at the entire gospel reading, we see that God protected Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus. An angel of God appeared and directed Joseph to go to Egypt and to remain there until Herod was dead. Egypt was a traditional place of refuge for Judeans. It was beyond Herod's reach. So the question is, how would you feel at this point in the story if you were Joseph? Have you ever had to change plans, reroute your life to make a new life in a new place or to make a new life in the same place because of circumstances? A sudden job transfer, an ill parent you needed to go home to take care of, a health crisis of your own that altered what you thought your future looked like? Now what? We begin again. Let's not forget that Joseph was willing to do anything to protect his family as well. Joseph was in partnership with God. Can we be in partnership with God then? In the birth of Jesus, God has become human which means in a strange and wonderful and unprecedented way, 
God is with us. God became incarnate in Jesus, became human like us. Not that suffering would be removed from our lives, but that suffering could be embraced head on, fully embraced by Christ with us. No longer is our suffering something we endure all alone. Christ is with us in it. Just as Christ embraced his own suffering, he now embraces us in ours. When have you found yourself in a similar or identical situation, unable to put down roots or having to put them down in a new place, but instead having to move on to an unknown place or maybe begin again in a place that is known, but it seems distant? The end of a relationship, the loss of a job, an illness or a financial reversal, any of which completely changes How we see the future, don't they? They kind of take us off track, take us off balance. Not only do we begin again in our lives in these situations, but those moments give us the opportunity to begin again in our faith walk. You know, some of you I've shared this story with, but, you know, I know who I am. I have a story. I've known it for many decades, and it's the same story. You know that, right? You've got your story about who you are, where you came from. This is my story, and this is my reality. Well, until it wasn't. I got an email on July 1st from Ancestry.com from someone named Daryl who said we had the same birth mother. I kind of lost my mind. What do I do with that? How do I take my story of who I am and my life and the way it's been and the way it's going to be, what do I do with this information? I did a couple of things. I had some questions for my mother. She's been gone a long time. And there I was left. Everyone who's a part of this story except Daryl and I are dead. And so I had no one to ask. And I won't go into a long story. It would be like something out of a made-for-TV movie. But there were lots of opportunities for my mother to tell me that she'd had this child. But she didn't. And so what do I do with it? And so there I was trying to figure out how that altered my relationship with my mother because... I had some questions. Not that she'd had a child, please. Not at all, but that she'd never told me. You know. And then what do I do with this man? Daryl, my brother. You know, all my life people have said, you know, who are you? And I'd say, this is who I am, this is my sibling. And now all of a sudden, my brother Daryl. And it sounded a little odd coming off my tongue. So I did what I was taught to do here. I went to see him. He lives in Lewiston, Idaho. He's 74 years old. He's stunningly good-looking like I am. (laughs) And it was instantly easy. 
as if we'd always known each other. But now it's kind of a little odd. We don't quite know what to do with it, what to do next. You know, I, I want to go visit him. I want to meet his, his wife. Cause now I realize why we get along, because I think he and his wife and I are a lot alike. Um, but it's different. It's changed my story. It's changed my future. You see, I thought I knew what my future looked like at this age. Single, 70 years old, uh, retired, you know, I was going to stay here, this is going to be it, but, you know, no relatives, everything. But now, it's changed, hasn't it? What do I do now? I begin again. That's what we do, isn't it? We begin again. Because I realized that I was the only person living that could give him the story of his birth mother. And what a gift it's been to share how much I loved her. Think about it. Jesus was raised, looked after, provided for, and placed in an environment where he could be nurtured and grow, even in the midst of dangerous and violent circumstances. You know, why wasn't he born at a different time? Wasn't he, why wasn't he born in a different setting? Why wasn't he born rich? Why wasn't he born a king? Regardless of the circumstances, God will do the same for us. Protect us and nurture us, even when the story changes. And here is a place where we should feel loved and protected and taken care of. And the hardest question I'm going to ask you is if the story of your life changed. If you had one of those reversals, if you had something happen that altered your future. Is there anyone here at FCC that would be on that first list of people you reached out?